Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Pinheiro swings the leg. The kick is up. It is good. Eddie Pinheiro wins it for Carolina to end the season in New Orleans. You know, I couldn't be more proud uh, of that group of men and uh, the way they persevered all year. Um, they didn't allow, uh, you know, our struggles in the first three quarters. Right, to uh, you know, define us today, and that was glorifying uh, again because we always talk about our DNA, physicality, and effort, playing smart, and the last one is finished, and uh, we did that today. So I'm very proud of. Them. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. It isn't always we begin the show with breaking news, but we have a developing situation. And Ishraf, Jim Zoki, Eugene Robinson making his way in, and I think I know why. It might have taken Eugene an extra minute. Did you see the bat out in the hallway? Oh, no, I did not. No, I did not. There is a live bat flying around in the press area. It's fairly large. I was hanging out with Darren Gant right by the entrance of the press box. And he kept on talking about this bat, bat, and I say, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's over there. Then it started flying toward us. I ran. I'm not ashamed to say it. I ran. So the no, season just ended and the building's already haunted because it's empty? There you go. Somebody has fired up the bat cave. Um, a lot to get to on the show. We're going to hear from Steve Wilkes in our second segment today. Scott Fitterer, Panthers GM, will talk to us. The off season is upon us, and we will get into – Oh, what are the needs? What are the wants? Where should this team go? You'll hear from the coach and the GM. But, Jim, uh, let's put a bow on this 2022 season. You have been covering this team since Genesis. Uh, this was one wild and crazy ride, wasn't it? Yeah, for 28 years, this one is uh, right up there. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, think of how many changes uh, of quarterback and head coach and uh, trading your star running back and uh, Steve Wilkes' first game. He has to send his starting wide receiver to the locker room in L.A. after the third quarter. I mean, it's just like, and that was just, you know, the first couple things. I mean, this, uh, again, you had three quarterbacks, and then you drafted one who didn't get out of training camp because of an injury. So that's four quarterbacks, and it was just um, a wild ride. But And then Steve Wilkes comes in and just settles things down and uh, takes a 1-4 and four team, makes it 6-6 six and six the rest of the way, along with the rest of his staff, and the players all buying in. And uh, so it's interesting that that same team – 
I mean, think of the last game was that he didn't coach was at home against San Francisco in a sea of red, <laughs> getting booed by the 10,000 Panther fans that were there. And uh, and that was where the Matt Rule era ended, was on that uh, blowout loss there. And then uh, Wilkes on a short week essentially has to take the team to L.A. But right after that one gets the, the win back here with Tampa and uh, – and I, to me, righted the ship in a, in a big way and pointing in the right direction, Eugene. Yeah, and when I think about it, I think of the quarterbacks. I went from Baker to P.J. to Baker to Sam. I mean, that is a lot of turnover. This you forgot quarter- Jacob Eason. <laughs> so, my bad. <laughs> I forgot Eason's in there. There's five, well, four, quarter, three quarter, four quarterbacks, but there's five rotations of quarterback. You can't win games that way. There's no way. When your quarterback or your offensive line is unsettled, you're not going to be a good football team. You're going to be a struggling football team. Because the quarterback makes things happen. And I was really surprised that Sam Darnold calmed down and had the season really of his of his career. I mean, he was really special. And if you didn't know it, you would say, hey, the future quarterback is right on your team with Sam Darnold based on the way that he played. But when you look at that in totality from the year previous, you got to have a little caution. And that's why I think that – Going into this offseason, quarterback has to be an issue. Yeah, they shored up the offensive line a year ago. That paid dividends. Um, Just to put a button on what we saw in New Orleans, in so many ways that game was a microcosm of the entire season where you had a first half where, let's face it, it looked like some of the first halves that we had seen early in the season against Cleveland, against New York, and uh, the Saints, despite not scoring much, were moving the ball up and down the field. Really, the Saints got in their own way, and then a different team emerged out of halftime. You lose two starting offensive linemen. Your running back gets DQ'd. Sam Darnold, that was his worst game of the season. Did not play well. They had 14 passing yards before that game-winning drive, and yet they found a way to win. And, Jim, we said this on the air a number of times. That's a game, if it's played in September, if it's played in early October, the Panthers probably lose by three touchdowns. Yeah, but they found other ways to win, and you know we'll hear from Steve Wilkes later. But you know special teams were a huge part of that yesterday. Johnny Hecker being special with so many punts inside the twenty. Eddie Pinheiro again not missing uh, has been lights out since the Atlanta game and finished by the way second in accuracy in the entire NFL in uh, field goal kicking this year. Um, and so you know those helped, and then obviously the, the timely interception that the Panthers had, even though they turned it uh, over going the other uh, time with two interceptions by Sam. Uh, you know they did enough, and they they caught some breaks. You know, as we said, they 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 missed a wide open Taysom Hill that they could have yes, thrown the did. ball to, and then they followed that play up by missing the field goal. And then the Panthers, back to special teams, C.J. Henderson with the block of the fifty-five yard Will Lutz field goal there. So as you said, they got inside the forty, I think four times and came away with no points. Uh, that's that's not good uh, for for New Orleans, but uh, the Panthers had a lot to do with that too. And, you know, Coach has always been talking about, you know, some of the, some of the things of the mantra. And the last one is, of his mantra is finish. He's always talking about finish. And we saw in Tampa they did not finish the game. We see a, a, a renewed team in the second half and a, a team with the resolve of finishing the game. I, I mean, I couldn't believe, like, the way they were able to stuff the run of the Saints. They shut that run down. Kamara, Elvin Kamara is one of the most dangerous running backs on earth. There's no doubt about that. And they were able to shut him down when it mattered, when it counted, and and keep them out of the end zone. And then really 
thwart the attempts of a field goal. Lutz is a great kicker, and you would never think that Lutz would miss two, 44 and a 55 or 54. You mm-hmm. don't think that he would miss that, not in, indoors. But there was something about the way that the Carolina Panthers finished. And I think it goes back to what Coach has been saying. He wants this team to finish regardless who out there because I'm down corners, I'm down offensive linemen, I'm down people all over the earth, but I still get a chance, I still make it where I can finish the game and win the game. Congrats. Yeah, it's down Brian Burns, down J.C. Horn, down Matt Ioannidis. I mean, we can go on. Steve Wilkes goes 6-6 six and six as the interim head coach, and the chatter until the Panthers name a head coach, whether that's Steve Wilkes or somebody else, is, well, who's the guy to steward this ship going forward? Because this is a team that won five of its last eight. It's not out of the realm of possibility if Tom Brady leaves Tampa, which is likely the Panthers will be the favorite in the NFC South with the young talent, with the cap maneuverability, with the draft picks. So let's start there with the coaching search. Um, we've said it on this show. We've said it during our broadcast. Steve Wilkes has made a heck of a case. You outlined the hell, the dan, the hell, you outlined the hand he was dealt, mm-hmm. and he's played it as well as you can. Yeah, I mean he. You talk about leadership and, uh, again, being that overseer uh, of an organization. He's all of that. The, the respect he commands from the players and from the rest of his coaching staff. Um, you, you want a guy that's, uh, to me, I think not super emotional when you're in the heat of the battle of the game. Um, and, and really just push the buttons of quarterback. Yeah, which which way to change that for a number of weeks? We had three different starters in three different weeks. Uh, but beyond that, the game plan, you know, the focus on the running game, uh, turning it over to where your strengths are, defense, running game, things like that. Um, but to, to me, I mean, he's got the experience in this league. Um, he's got the pedigree. He brings the culture. Brought back the keep pounding. He said that today at his press conference. So I think Eugene, to me, you know, he's he's everything you could want. And again, you can't just look at the record as to me stunning is what six and six is from one and four as good as that is even that's not fair he didn't get to pick any of these players he had to jump in the middle he gets into spring football you know training camp to, to put his stamp on this team he had to inherit that and, and and switch up and get the most out of what was delivered to him isn't this a great litmus test for mr tupper if you want to see what Coach Wilkes can do, you put him in a situation where it's extremely adverse, that you have absolutely no one. The guys that you didn't, you didn't pick these guys right here, and you fire some other guys. You fire staff. So this is a great litmus test to say, can you make something out of this lemon, these lemon out of lemonade? Can you do something? I'm looking for a guy that's calm. Check the box. Football IQ. Check the box. Respect in the locker room. Check the box. Able to lead. Check the box. Able to adjust. Check the box. Establishing the culture, check the box. When you look at it, this is a great test. So if Mr. Tepper's going, hey, is this guy the guy? All you have to do is ask the guys in the locker room and look at the look at the body of his work that he's already done. Can any other coach come in and do that? First of all, you got to grab the locker room. You have to grab the guys, and if you don't grab them, they're not going to play for you at all. And so they played for coach. And they played up until the last drop and won a game down in New Orleans. You know, I look at the sound bites and what the players said after Matt Rule was fired and after the last game of the season when they were asked about Steve Wilkes' future. And it is unanimous. They want Steve Wilkes to be their next head coach. Now, most of them said, and we know it too, our opinion doesn't matter. Their opinion, well, it does matter. It does Ultimately, matter. Yeah, yeah. this comes down to the front office and ownership. They will make that decision. 
they plan to do their due diligence. But I made the analogy a few weeks ago, when you're dealt 2-7 offsuit, you're playing poker, and somebody says you're going to go against a, a big stack and we're going to take some chips away from you. How long can you last in that game? Well, he took this thing all the way into the new year, playing for a playoff spot, and you know, at the end of the day, they got close. They got close. And I hear so much chatter now about, well, is there that young offensive coordinator, that young hotshot, that uh, cutting-edge innovator? The league is changing. I saw a number today. Rushing is up. Teams ran for the most yards per game this year since 1987. Four and a half yards per carry. That was the average yards per rush in the NFL. The highest it's ever been in the history of the league. Defense is up. Points per game, down. So, what do the Panthers do? Weren't they on that cutting edge of where the NFL is going? I'm not saying it doesn't mean you don't need a quarterback. Yes, you still need a quarterback, and, and you have to be balanced offensively. But is this league now coming back full circle to maybe where it was in the 80s and the early 90s where you got to run the ball, you got to play defense, and isn't that foundation kind of in place here in Carolina? No, those are all great points. Record albums are back. And so um, to me, you know, it's, it's two major things. One is teams are built to stop the pass, so they're lighter and quicker. So what do you do? You adjust and you sledgehammer, especially with a sledgehammer running back like Deontay Rundable. Foreman. They're not built for that when they got a nickel playing in the slot and he's no. going to run through Nobody them. Nobody wants to tackle that guy. But the other thing is we've entered an era where there are some really good quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, a handful. There ain't 32. There's not even close to 32 really good quarterbacks. We've had a number of guys that are really good either retire or start to age out. I mean, Andy Dalton used to be a really good quarterback. Now he's just hanging on. Uh, so to me, it's like I, this is not a great – depth era of quarterbacks right now in this league, I don't think. And here's the other thing, and I've, I've heard you guys, uh, maybe Jake DeLome, kind of reiterate the point that I said, Coach Wilkes is going to be up for a head coaching job somewhere. When they look at the body of work of what he's done, it's absolutely remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable that you would think that that 1-5 in five, uh, this one in five team would have a chance to be in the playoffs. And one quarter away, maybe four minutes away in a Tampa Bay game from being on a different side of the ledger. Easily. And that was all done with the direction of Coach Wilkes. No doubt about it. You could say one quarter. You could say one kick. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up quarterbacks. I've got a list right here, and we'll get into it later in the show, on just how hard it is to get a franchise quarterback and, in a sense, how lucky this franchise is has been when it comes to quarterbacks in their short and brief history. We'll also hear from Steve Wilkes. That's coming up next. We've got Scott Fitterer on the way as well. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Anish Raf, Jim Zoki, and we welcome in Panthers head coach Steve Wilkes. The regular season is complete. And uh, before we get into all the other stuff, I do want to talk a little bit about the game. First half, a little bit bizarre. I'm curious, what was said at halftime? Man, we talked about really, you know, playing according to our DNA, and uh, that last element is finishing. 
Um, I thought the guys, um, particularly the defense, once we settled in, they took the opening drive and scored. Uh, and then after that point, you know, you saw the defense settle in and they didn't score anymore. Uh, offensively, you know, uh, particularly at the end of the half, um, you know, we forced uh, that, that, that throw in there, uh, Sam threw the interception. And I felt at halftime talking to the coaches as well as the players before we went back out on the field, I said, we got to get back to our identity. And we're going to run the ball the second half and, uh, you know, make these guys wear them down a little bit, you know, take some time off the clock. And that's what we did. We live in this fantasy football world where people look at stats and so forth. But the role that special teams played, we were joking after Johnny Hecker made his first punt. He kept re-breaking his own record about punts inside the 20 for a season uh, that he established early in that game. Uh, the fact that Eddie Pinero obviously kicks the game-winning field goal, that CJ blocks another field goal attempt by them. How proud of you are just the job that Coach Tabor and that whole special teams unit has done, not only in that game but in this season? Well, tremendous job. Um, those guys continue to show up each and every week. You talk about Johnny uh, and his ability uh, to flip the field. But I think something that goes unnoticed uh, are really the gunners on the outside. You know, Sam Franklin uh, getting down there as, as, as quickly as possible, making the uh, punt return guy bear a catch. And the same thing with uh, Barno. I thought Barno stepped up big time yesterday, and he also came up with, uh, you know, a critical sack that, um, you know, helped us get off the field. What did it mean to that locker room and to you after the game to hand Eddie Pinheiro the game ball? Oh, man, it meant so much. Um, just just the mere fact that, you know, how we finished and just a walk-off field goal. Uh, and since the Atlanta game, um, when he had that, uh, what I consider to be just a hiccup, you know, it happens. Uh, but we stayed with Eddie. The players stayed with Eddie. We rallied around him, and then he—I mean—he turned in to be very consistent down the stretch, and to finish the way he did, man, I was just so happy for him. All right, so we're gonna do our job and ask uh, Coach about his least favorite topic, which is coach, <laughs> because fans are listening. They want to know what the future might hold, and you're gonna be interviewing for this head coaching job moving forward. The players have been vocal about it as well. What does this opportunity mean to you that you've been given? the bulk of a season, 12 games, uh, to show what you could do and to be in this position uh, moving forward to have that opportunity? Well, it, it means a lot. You know, um, I, I want to, you know, definitely thank Mr. Tepper for just really the, the opportunity on the front end, you know, of being able to lead this team and this organization for 13 weeks and uh, really the things that we accomplished starting at one and four where many didn't give us a chance. And these guys are so resilient in, in their quest of trying to be great and, you know, uh, the opportunity to be able to, to interview uh, for the permanent position, you know, uh, I take that not lightly, uh, very respectful, and, you know, we'll see what happens throughout the process. You have this whole season made this about we and not me. I'm curious, where does that come from? Well, it, it just comes from understanding the element of, of team and many parts, one body of work. Uh, I've seen this, this throughout my coaching career. Uh, I can go back with one example of Coach Moore just at Appalachian State. Uh, just the value uh, that he saw in everybody, you know, and regardless of whether you were a starter or a walk-on, uh, it wasn't about just one individual. And I took that as a young a young player uh, and really uh, put that into my repertoire as, as a coach and uh, understanding that uh, now as a leader – uh, everybody in this building has value. So how uncomfortable is it now to, to make it about you? You know, um, I, I, I was sitting here telling telling my wife, uh, 
the other day, you know, going into this interview, I said, you know, the one thing I haven't talked about all year uh, wasn't myself. I said, but in this interview, it's all going to be about me and why I should be the head coach. Yeah, definitely do that while you're in there. I think it'll help a lot because you've earned it. First of all, you got good stuff to say. What you've been a head coach before, and it was a short opportunity the way Arizona went. By the way, they just made another change today. Um, but uh, what what was it like the second go around in terms of just the process of being the head guy as opposed to a coordinator or positions coach, and uh, that experience that you bring from that first one to what you brought to uh, this opportunity? I think you learn so much. You know, I think you learn from you know, your previous experiences, uh, and you apply those into you know, the things that you're going through now. And the most important thing to me was uh, just the communication, the clarity, and making sure that everybody was on the same page, coaches, players, uh, the constant communication between Scott and I. you got to have that with your GM, you know, when you start talking about, you know, building their roster, things that you want to try to improve on the back end of the roster. So uh, making those tough decisions and making those decisions my decisions, you know, uh, so that was the key thing for me, and I and I said it from day one. I only have 13 weeks, and within these 13 weeks, I'm gonna do it my way. And that was getting rid of you know certain coaches. Not that they weren't good coaches; they they were the great coaches to be uh, on, uh, to be honest. Uh, but I believe now, going through that process, everything is about a fit, and that's why I didn't I wasn't so quick to replace those coaches because I didn't want to break up the chemistry that we had in that defensive room. So. Uh, to me, that that that's the key. Now, we've said it a number of times on the air. Your case is strong, and, and I'm just curious, as you look back on these 12 games, what are you most proud of? Man, I am so proud of, of the way these guys accepted, uh, not so much the challenge, but just the expectations that I put on them. Uh, they came to work each and every day. They bought into the act of a champion. Uh, you saw that accountability. You saw their level of commitment. Uh, they trust the process, even when it didn't look, uh, you know, like we we're going in the right direction. I just told them to stay the course, uh, and we found ourselves fighting through this, you know, division that was, you know, wounded a little bit, and we were at the doorsteps of making the playoffs. Uh, so I don't look at the downfall. I look at the things that we did well. Well, Coach, that's a great place to leave it as far as our conversation goes. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you for all that you've done uh, with this organization in your various stints with this team. And, uh, again, just the best moving forward to you and your family. Hey, I appreciate uh, you guys. And most importantly, I appreciate the fans. Let's keep pounding. Thank you, Coach. Head Coach Steve Wilkes, this is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Coke. Official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Welcome back to Panther Talk. This is the broadcast roundtable brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean with tri-clean Sitco gasoline. Sitco, let's go together. Eugene, you brought it up in the opening segment. Quarterback. High on the shopping list. It's at the top of the shopping list. Last offseason, it was O-line. This offseason, obviously, they have to find something at quarterback, whether it's a bad corral internally, if it's uh, in the draft, if it's in free agency via trade. And it, it got me thinking, we've been lucky as a franchise. Jake DeLome retired in 2009 after a pretty good run. 2010 was a forgetful year, Just forgettable right. year. 
In 2011, you draft Cam Newton. Cam Newton. And you got a franchise quarterback for almost the next decade. So it's been really three years since Cam was the full-time starter. I don't count last year. So you go back and you look around the league. Where are the franchise quarterbacks? How many teams have gone a long time without a franchise quarterback? Almost a third of the league, probably more. I didn't go through everybody, but almost a third of the league has had large gaps between finding that next guy. It's not easy. Just for example, Buffalo. Jim Kelly retires in 96. Josh Allen drafted in 2018. That's 22 years. Jim Miami, Dan Marino, final year 1999. Tua, Tua maybe? maybe. <laughs> mm, that, yeah, that's very unsettled, mm. honestly. Joe Namath, 1976, his last year with the Jets. Question mark, question mark. They haven't had a guy it since. Hasn't they haven't had a guy. Terry Bradshaw's final year with the Steelers was ben 82. Roethlisberger. Came along 22 years later. The Bengals. They've got Joe Burrow now, right? Before that, Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason. you got to go back to the 80s. you got to go Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason. Yeah, Boomer would be the guy. Yep, Boomer. Jim, this one's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, where you're from. Otto uh, Graham, Otto, yeah, okay. 1955. <laughs> Bernie Kosar, come on. Bernie got him a three championship games. I put Kosar, Kosar down, 85 yeah. to 89, and then he had the injury. was never the same. And question mark, question mark since. But before him, actually better than him was Brian Seip. Brian Seip was an MVP. Brian Seip was was an MVP. Wasn't wasn't a long time. Wasn't a long time. Again, and and that's where I'm saying franchise quarterback, you're looking at that decade fixture for your team. Right, then Johnny Manziel. (laughs) And a bunch of other guys. Jim Um, Zorn, Russell Wilson. Jacksonville. Mark Brunel's final season, 2002. Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence, potentially, again, almost 20 years later. Uh, Our producer, David Langton, grew up in Kansas City. Before Patrick Mahomes, Len Dawson. Yeah. I mean, that's sobering. <laughs> John Elway. Steve DeBerg was the other quarterback then. That well, they had that run of washed up quarterbacks. They had Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Joe Montana Chiefs. Michael Jordan <laughs> Wizards. Now, Montana almost got them to the Super Bowl the one year. Uh, Denver, John Elway in 98. And then Peyton Manning didn't come along and then Pey- until 2012. But when you look at Peyton Manning, uh, Wow, that Super Bowl was not won by the offense. It was won by that defense. Yeah, but he was good prior to that for a year or yes, two. Yes, exactly. Not that year. but yeah. Not that year. The, the, the point, Eugene, is these guys don't grow on trees. And there are a lot of folks out there, well, you've got to draft a quarterback, got to draft a quarterback. You can't just draft a quarterback no matter what because some of these franchises are examples of what happens when you do gamble on quarterbacks and you don't remember their names five years later. And it sets you back. It does set you back. And what you've just kind of outlined, there's like a 20-year gap between great quarterbacks that come and go. So it's almost impossible to hit on a quarterback. you got to go play Vegas and see if you can go ahead and, and, and hit on a quarterback. And that's why you have to develop a guy on your team. So, Matt Carell, I want to develop this young man to go ahead and and make the throws that he should be able to get to make and put him in situations. And I think you learn that by test and fire. Don't forget, Troy Aikman wasn't Troy Aikman when he first came to the league, and neither was John Elway when he first came to the league. They became Troy Aikman, John Elway, as they progressed in this league. And there's a maturation process that I think that now currently, I don't think we have the tolerance for, for to develop a, a guy on your team. Last time we've seen that was with maybe Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre that we've seen that development and seeing that guy be who we thought he would be because he's behind the tutelage of, of a Brett Favre. 
Yeah, we expect them to be a finished product when they come out of college now, and it's just uh, no. You look at Justin Fields, Zach Wilson; these guys are still like babies, way, way far off if they even make it as far as passing quarterbacks. Injury updates are brought to you by Ortho Carolina. No matter if you're injury prone, a weekend warrior, or a parent of a child needing orthopedic care when things look bad, choose better. We had such a healthy offensive line. All year, that came to a crashing halt in this last game in New Orleans. Austin Corbett with a torn ACL. No! And Brady Christensen, the other starting guard, with a broken ankle. Ouch! After being so healthy, uh, no missed snaps all year by the starting offensive line until this game. Ortho Carolina, a better choice, official team physician of the Carolina Panthers. To your point on uh, Aaron Rodgers, so Rodgers' first year as a starter came at age 25. That's how old Sam Darnold is now. Wow, that's some. Re- that's pretty good. That's that is really really good. Sitting on the bench watching, sitting on the bench watching. My goodness, Aaron Rodgers. No one, no wonder he's one of the best. It's t- you know again we're we're talking about guys like that and Baker Mayfield who are here that were high picks that have been in the league now five complete years, and we still don't know exactly what they are as far as again we have a, a range, but we don't know can they be like Jared Goff kind of took off this year a little bit more mm-hmm. Geno Smith. Certainly took off this year. So there are guys that have been in this league six whatever years that are just now figuring it out. I told quickly Jordan Love, the backup quarterback of, of um, we were talking Green this Bay. Year, of Green Bay. I said, it is no sin and shame to be behind Aaron Rodgers. Stay there and learn, dude. I said, learn. When you get in the game, uh, got garbage time, learn. This is your time to go ahead and soak it all up because the guy who is ahead of you is one of the best to ever do it. So learn as much as you can because when they – Give you the reins, they're going to expect you to be Aaron Rodgers or better. Yeah, Steve Young spent a lot of time behind Joe Montana, yes, and we were did. talking about it on our broadcast Sunday. Uh, Jake DeLome telling us uh, he didn't really get his first real crack at being an NFL starter until his late 20s. Like 28, yeah. Yep, and led the Panthers to an NFC championship. All right, we, we're going to hear from Scott Fitterer, general manager of the Panthers. What is the offseason vision for this team, and what is next in this coaching search process? All that's coming up here on Panther Talk. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Atrium Health. Because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. Panther Talk continues. And Ishraf Jim Zoki. We're joined by Panthers GM Scott Fitterer. Regular season ends, so your work begins, huh? This is the fun time of year. You know, we uh, we actually get to watch football, sit in the draft room, and Mm -hmm. Uh, sit with the guys and look at what the draft class looks like, look what free agency looks like, and kind of fit it together. How does it fit our team? What are the priorities? You know, in free agency is what's not available available in the draft, so we'll go out and sign them in free agency. So when it comes to the draft, we're wide open. We can take the best player available, and that's what we're going to do. So obviously multifaceted going on. How do you bring – all the scouts together, and of course we're talking about pro scouting, college scouting, and all that, and kind of put all that information together to, to get your list together for veteran free agents and the college players as well. Yeah, so we've already started. We started in December. Cole uh, Spencer, our college scouting director, uh, he ran all the meetings by Zoom. You know, we, you know, we listened in as much as we could, uh, did all the character background, so we knocked that all out, out of the way. So when we all sit down in February, we'll spend about a week and a half, two weeks together in the draft room, and just watch players and talk about them. We'll have all the notes, who the person is, but then we'll talk about them. What do we learn from the All-Star Games? What were they like in the interviews? We'll videotape the interviews at the All-Star, All-Star Games, put them up. We'll watch those as the film's running as well. And so um, 
the, the college guys are all over it. And then the pro guys are working their tails off too, mm-hmm. you know, putting that board together. So there'll be two different boards and uh, we'll just fit it together. And I know before you get into all that, obviously you want to make sure you get a head coach in place. Yes. So the process of getting that aligned, can you just take us through with, you know, you don't have to get into details, but you know, now that the season is over, we know what we've seen from Steve Wilkes. Just give us an idea of how that process works on your end and with ownership. Well, once we once we name the head coach, we'll sit down with the coach, his coordinators, and they'll go through their their basically their offense and their defense. What do they need? We're there to support them to bring in the players that they need to be successful. Uh, you can't always do it in the first year. Sometimes you have to transition over two or three years. How do they adapt their scheme to make our current personnel work? And what are we building you know, towards here in the next two to three years? And so we'll get a plan in place and uh, ideally build towards what they need to be successful to, you know, to win over a consistent period of time. And for you, you've been in this league a long time, uh, but first time as a head coach or the GM hiring a permanent head coach as opposed to naming an interim head coach, what's it like for you kind of going through this process for the first time at that particular position that you're in? You know, um, it's funny. I was talking to Wilkes the other day. I was down in his locker room, and th- this is the first time I've gone through it. And you think it's going to be fun and exciting and all these different things. It's hard. It's 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 really hard because there's people involved, guys you've worked with the last two years. You know their families. You know all the change that may take place. And then, you know, bringing in other people. You know, you don't know sometimes what you're bringing in. You think you know, but you know sometimes you don't know. And so. It's exciting, but it's hard, man, Mm -hmm. seeing the coaches in the hallways and doing different things. We hear so much these days about we want the next cutting-edge guy, the next cutting-edge guy. Part of that, I'd imagine, is figuring out what's cutting-edge in the NFL. And I saw something today. Scoring was at a five-year low. Rushing was the highest it's been since 1987. In a lot of ways, what the Panthers did over these last 12, 13 games was – Moving in the direction maybe the league is going? You know, uh, as teams spread it out and throw the ball, defensive defenses have gotten smaller. So to take advantage of that, you want to run the ball at them. We have a really big, powerful offensive line. You have powerful running backs. So that's our, that's, that was our advantage. If you want to line up with a 220-pound middle linebacker, go ahead, but we're going to enchant right down your throat. And so that's, that's just how we're built this year. Um, it's nice to be able to play that game, but then also come out and be able to throw the ball vertically as well. So you, want, you just want to be well-rounded, have unique skill sets throughout your team, and take advantage of it. Of course, one thing that hasn't changed is that quarterback position, the importance of that, and such a unique situation this year where you had three quarterbacks essentially in the last year of their contracts, and you drafted Matt Corral, who never uh, was healthy enough to get uh, out of the preseason here. So what can you tell us about that process in terms of you know, not just quarterback, but quarterback room and, and trying to – you know, get a, get a handle on all that heading into next season. Yeah, so we talked to uh, Sam this morning, and, you know, we laid it out and said, hey, let's see how this plays out. Let's see who the coach is, um, what the contract may look like. So we're open to him coming back, and he's very open to it. Um, Matt Corral, we're excited about his future. We just don't know. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot yet. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say we're going to add or not add to that room because I just don't know yet until we have a head coach in place and what their plan is. Mm-hmm. Outside of quarterback, what have you addressed as positions where you feel you can upgrade? Um, you know, this is the tricky part. You always just want to come on and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. But like I say, other teams are listening and watching. 
there are certain positions that I know, you know, we need a vertical tight end to get up the seam. And, you know, controlling the middle of the field is so important in this game. Um, take maybe a vertical receiver, some of them get deep and let DJ and Terrace work underneath. And obviously DJ down the other sideline vertically, we can do that. Uh, speed at linebackers and ball hawk safety. Those are the type of probably real needs going into the off season. But, you know, again, we don't know yet until mm-hmm. we know what the scheme is. Well, one thing uh, that uh, isn't quite as scheme-related, but it, it can be especially with special teams when it comes to kickoffs and so forth, is your ability collectively to find kickers at home. <laughs> Last year was Zane Gonzalez. This year, Eddie Pinheiro. I mean, not in the league to, to find these guys. Again, I'm just picking one position there out of a, a lot of great hits that you guys have made. But how satisfying is that to, to find a guy that makes 19 consecutive kicks and closes your season with a win? Yeah, Eddie had a great year. I'm so proud of him, the way he finished uh, it really says a lot about our pro staff. You know, who, they know who's on the streets. Uh, we have workouts, you know, throughout the season. Chris Tabor is very good. He's very connected. Uh, and so they, they all do such a great job. And, uh, you know, to get someone like Eddie. And, I, you know, to bring in Johnny Hecker and J.J. Uh, J. Jansen around him and the way they handle him and they all handle each other and goof around and you see him on the field screwing around. It's just a great group of guys. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good room to walk into. Um, and uh, we, I just hope we keep that up in that position. As you build this roster, you've got a pretty good core and a core of young players. Um, from a foundational standpoint, who are the guys in your eyes where after this season you say, hey, uh, this is more than just a guy. We now have you know, a real foundational piece, somebody who can anchor a, a position group. Right, Nicky. You know, he's, he's the first one that jumps out. I mean, to find a left tackle that – really settled in, and, you know, to have someone that you know week in and week out is going to be out there playing really good physical football. Plus, he's extremely tough and violent. That's what we want to be. Then you have Brady Christensen, who's smart and athletic inside. Bradley Bozeman was awesome in there. Mm. Corbett was everything we thought he would be in more this year. And then Taylor Munch just kind of been the steady pro out there. So, I mean, when you look at it, those are the type of guys that we brought in that, you know, we're pretty excited about. All right, Scott, last one for me is um, every player here you guys like. They wouldn't be here in the first place if you didn't like them. From the beginning of, say, training camp till the end, which particular players, just to name a couple, and doesn't mean you're excluding anyone, but who, who made the greatest strides this year in terms of just their improvement? Uh, probably Terrace Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, Terrace was a guy that really wasn't even dressing for the first three, four, or five games, and he's an ultra-talented guy. But once he got the opportunity... He really took it. You could see the growth and started making big plays throughout the season. Was going up, being that big receiver. I think it was at the uh, the Bengals game. It was a tough game for us. But you saw him go up and get the ball. He you know, made a big play yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to see out of him. And then guys that we brought in after, guys like Lubisca Chenault, you know, he brings an element of physicality and speed. So those are the guys that we're really excited that we brought in and, and had that growth for us during the season. A lot to look forward to. Um, a promising end to the season that bodes well going forward. So, Scott, we appreciate it, and uh, I know you got to get back to work. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Scott Fitterer, Panthers GM. You're listening to the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Couple of newsy items to get to before we wrap up. Uh, the Panthers re-signing Stefan Sullivan and Giovanni Ricci, also signing seven members of the practice squad 
to future deals and big news regarding former Panther, our colleague in the booth this year, Luke Keekley. Congratulations, Luke. He is going to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Outstanding. I mean, one of the best tacklers ever. And when he was at Boston College, I mean, I think he led tackling in two years as a junior. He did. Yeah, for yeah. two years, right? And then came into the NFL. And he came into the NFL, league. yeah. Oh, my goodness. And when he gets to the NFL, he's just the most polished linebacker there is. Already pro-ready, and you can tell by the number of Pro Bowls and how he's played. Outstanding. He'll be in the NFL Hall of Fame first, uh, first year ballot. No doubt. We've got uh, the ninth pick in the draft, Jim. Are you are you upset that the team didn't tank and lose and didn't move up a spot like some people are? Ironic you would say that because Luke Kuechly was the only time we ever picked a number nine. Hey, there oh, we go. Wow. So that works. Nine's a pretty lucky Nine's number. Nine's a pretty lucky number. Pretty lucky number. But uh, and the other thing is, you know, are there not trades? Can you not move if you wanted if you identified somebody? But beyond that, uh, you know, you, you'll get a really good player in the top ten. Uh, if you pick the right one, uh, obviously you can also get a really bad player in the top ten. So as long as you identify uh, the correct one, I think it, it doesn't matter because we've talked about you know ad nauseum. It was Zach Wilson, number two pick a couple years ago. Oh my goodness! And Justin Fields was what like thirteen or whatever he mm-hmm. went. And it's like good athlete, but has not been a good thrower of the football with the Chicago Bears so far. Uh, so we'll see. Again, we're not going to overjudge these guys right at the beginning of their careers, but you just don't know is is the point as far as quarterback. Get, there's some great players in this. You know, I've done the Bronco Nagurski the last two years. Will Anderson's won that two years in a row. Uh, unbelievable player. He probably should be the number one player taken in the draft out of Alabama. So it's like to me, there's all kinds of really good receivers, linebackers, defensive backs. I mean, get get you good football players and then figure out quarterback in some other avenue if it's not there. You know, and I like here like a linebacker. I'm I'm looking for that other marquee linebacker on this squad. And you know, can Shaq be that guy? Shaq has always been kind of like the guy next to uh, Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, you know, and he's taking a role of being that guy in the middle. And it suits him a little bit. But I would love to go ahead and see if there's another guy out there at linebacker position with the defensive line that you already have. My goodness. I I think we have another backer like that, Frankie Louvo, to make that thing. And, Man, you you got a solid, solid group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they will have to make a decision on Shaq Thompson. Do you part ways? Do you restructure the deal? But linebacker, in the history of this franchise, that's been the glamour been the, position. Oh, absolutely. Sam Mills, Michael Barrow, John Beeson, TD. Thomas Davis, yeah. Luke Keekley. Mm-hmm. Luke Keekley. Oh, Fields. I mean, mm-hmm. they had, this team has always had really good, Dan solid Morgan. linebackers. <laughs> no, I forgot Demo. This team has always had great linebackers, and that's been the bedrock, I think, of this team. Defensive line and then the linebacker, and then then you talk about the secondary. I think the secondary is intact if we can keep guys healthy. All right, Eugene, before we uh, wrap up here, we got a, about a minute and a half. What are you most hopeful for, most optimistic for leaving this season, heading into the offseason? I think that Coach Wills has got this running game going, and, and regardless who's here as the head coach, I think that will continue. The running game was impressive. And also what I thought that the pass rush and just stopping the run, we did a better job this year. I think moving forward, our defense is good enough and our offense is good enough at those in those spots. I mean, the biggest jump collectively until the injuries in the last game was the offensive line. And when you have that, that makes for the running game. Uh, and uh, to me, uh, as far as talking about what's optimistic about that is uh, if Steve Wilkes is the guy that is brought back, 
that to me would be the most energizing thing is just the the, the momentum that he and the, the coaching staff have brought as far as just the Steve Wilkes uh, flavor of this team and what it became. Think about where we were after week five doing the show on the Monday, you know, not knowing what was going to happen, the optics of the San Francisco loss and where we are now. Different feel, different energy, different vibe around this franchise in this building. Until we talk to you this summer, keep pounding. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.